has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Many know that President John F. Kennedy suffered from low back pain. I mean, this was common knowledge at that time and was attributed to injuries that he sustained in World War II. Yet, Kennedy's medical history was far more serious and complex. In fact, his health was a closely guarded secret. It wasn't until the release of his medical records in 2002 that the public became aware of his lifelong struggle with pain. JFK was probably born with an autoimmune disease called Schmidt syndrome, leading to osteoporosis, nerve pain, arthritic pain, and muscular pain. Nevertheless, his accomplishments were extraordinary given a life of pain, and his triumphs convey great hope, promise, and an expectation that life can get better with treatment. We're fortunate to have Dr. Robert Dalek and Dr. Forrest Tennant as guests for this two-part series on the story of JFK's pain. Last time, Robert Dalek, one of the most highly regarded historians in America, gave us an intimate view of Kennedy's personal life, health, and legacy. Today, Dr. Forrest Tennant, pain specialist and addictionologist, reveals JFK's struggle with a life of discomfort and the therapies that got him through the presidency. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Dr. Forrest Tennant is an internist, endocrinologist, and addictionologist who specializes in the research and treatment of unyielding pain. He's a former U.S. Army medical officer, public health physician, and professor at the UCLA School of Public Health. He's been the drug advisor to the NFL, the LA Dodgers, and NASCAR. He's also the medical editor of the Practical Pain Management Journal. Dr. Tennant, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. JFK's medical records were open to the public in 2002, and it summarized his serious medical conditions. What's so surprising is that he lived with pain, and very few ever knew it. That's correct. Plus, I I think that um, Kennedy himself, from what I can tell, really didn't want to put his burden on anyone else, and he kept it very private himself, I believe even to his wife at times. And uh, to other people, so I and I think it's pretty typical of people with long chronic pain. They they often want to keep it very private and really don't want to put their suffering on to other people. Yeah, you know, I see that in my own patients. Yes, the emergence of autoimmune disease causing pain isn't fully appreciated, and you know, Kennedy's medical history gives us an opportunity to learn more about that. Autoimmune disease. First off, let me just say that, in my opinion, it is 
almost epidemic in our society. It's unappreciated. We're just starting to understand it. And Kennedy had a terrible autoimmune disease. And fundamentally, it is a, in simple terms, is simply that you have antibodies or some proteins in your blood that float around and decide to attack different tissues at different times. Yeah. Exactly why this occurs, we don't really understand. And, and it's, an, of course, an area of immense research today because it really is a severe public health problem for all of us. And those proteins that float around are also called autoantibodies. And I have seen many of these patients, actually, with conditions like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and Marfan syndrome. Forrest, are many of these genetic? No. This is another one of the mysteries. We know that a certain huge group like Kennedy's or like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, Bechet syndrome, a lot of these pain syndromes are genetic. But it's very clear to me that some are acquired. Yeah. Now, the acquisition, I believe, is primarily viral. Uh, we have lots of instances of this. When I first started in my pain practice back in 1975, I still had a, a number of people who had had polio, but they almost had some syndrome after that. Uh -huh. And today, the most common one that's written about is probably post-herpetic neuralgia, where people get the herpes virus and then develop a neuropathy afterward. Yeah. And the other one, and one of the ones that I'm personally very involved with, is the the neuropathies or so-called fibromyalgia that occurs after infectious mononucleosis. Mm -hmm. And I have a number of patients that in my practice who literally were very healthy until one day they woke up and had something. It's like they caught it. Yeah. Uh, they just stood around, did nothing, just caught it like a, like a disease. Uh -huh. And in fact, it is a disease. I've also seen patients who've been perfectly healthy one day and the next day develop all the signs and symptoms of fibromyalgia. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Tennant about Schmidt syndrome and how that affected President Kennedy. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Mylan Pharmaceuticals, one of the world's leading generic pharmaceutical companies. Discover why at Mylan, quality isn't just a claim, it's a cause we've made personal at seeinsidemylan.com. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Forrest, when John Kennedy's medical records were released, a naval physician, Dr. Lee Mandel, analyzed the medical history and said that JFK was likely born with an autoimmune disease called Schmidt's syndrome. Let's talk about that. Well, first off, Dr. Schmidt was a German pathologist. Uh -huh. And in 1926, he was doing autopsies and discovered two patients who had no adrenal glands, they had atrophied, degenerated, if you will, uh -huh. and at the same time had their thyroid gland atrophied or degenerated. So he described it. And after his finding, other people validated what he found. And also over the years, they found out that this wasn't just thyroid and adrenal gland. It also took in other conditions like the intestine, the joints, in other words, it was a broad-based autoimmune disease, yeah. and uh, his name continues to stay stay on it. Uh, 
and rightfully so, because he was the first to discover this. In fact, the medical term for this syndrome is autoimmune polyglandular syndrome type 2, and it affects the adrenal glands, the thyroid glands, it can cause diabetes, and can also cause reproductive failure. And how did it specifically affect Kennedy? During his early years, he had terrible bowel problems. It would have probably been called celiac disease today. But he also started long before his famous World War II PT-109 boat accident, he already had started to develop uh, terrible joint pains, uh, particularly in the sacroiliac joint and sometimes in his back. So he suffered autoimmune symptoms even before World War II. The thing that really disabled John Kennedy, which is another really major health issue here in, in the country, and that is osteoporosis. Now, osteoporosis is a Again, something that, uh, I don't know about you, but when I went to medical school, it was an afterthought. We didn't talk much about it. It didn't seem like it was a very big deal. But now it really is one. And it turns out that an autoimmune disease may attack the bone. So I believe he started to degenerate his spine simply due to the autoimmune disease. And even though it's called Smith syndrome, he had these antibodies that attacked other tissues, sometimes his intestine, sometimes his joints, and it certainly attacked his spine. And it must have attacked his nerves. Had to. We see this commonly in, in clinical practice. Uh, in fact, it's kind of tragic. You know, as, as you know, somebody will come into the clinic and they've sort of woke up and they've got a pain in their arm. Yeah. Or a, a pain in their leg or a pain in their back somewhere. And we can trace it back to the fact that they've got an autoimmune disease. So neuropathies, autoimmune neuropathies are very common, and Kennedy certainly had some of those. And also with respect to osteoporosis, we know that osteoporosis can lead to stress fractures in various parts of the body, like the hip, the spine, and they're all very painful. Dr. Tennant, what, as an endocrinologist, what's the relationship between pain and the endocrine system? One of the most unappreciated things today is that severe pain raises serum cortisone or cortisol levels. And any time that you have high cortisol levels for a period of time, you're going to get osteoporosis, your teeth are going to erode, your joints are going to erode. And I believe this is the major reason why an awful lot of people start off with a bad shoulder and next thing they know their knee is degenerated Mm -hmm. and you collapse a vertebra, the next thing you know you've got neuropathies into your leg. So osteoporosis was the real scientific reason and message that I wanted to write about Kennedy because he exemplifies what happens when you get to a certain point where the osteoporosis just takes you over. That was his great disabler. Those are revealing comments because I think that the understanding that pain can increase cortisol levels and that increased cortisol levels can in turn lead to more pain is underappreciated among physicians and certainly not appreciated among patients who have pain. And let's delve more deeply into steroids because in the late 30s, it sounds like the Kennedy physicians decided to try a new corticosteroid treatment that probably saved his life. What was that? It was called officially deoxycorticosterone. And Kennedy would actually take a little knife and make a sliver in his leg or somewhere and put this little tablet in the skin and put a Band-Aid over it. Now, we know that may have caused some of his osteoporosis, but this innovation at that time undoubtedly saved his life. Why do you think so? Uh, it saved his life because he was, a, as a 
I think started as a young teenager having severe uh, intestinal problems and already having uh, hip and back pain problems. Mm-hmm. And with this compound, he was able to relieve his symptoms and go to college and go to school and function. Yeah. Otherwise, he probably would not have lived, and one of the reasons why he wouldn't have lived, because his adrenal glands were obviously already starting to degenerate. And so he had complications of that treatment, I'm sure. No doubt. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Tennant about what led John Kennedy to use the first of many back supports. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Horizon Pharma, a biopharmaceutical company that develops and commercializes innovative medicines to target unmet therapeutic needs in arthritis, pain, and inflammatory diseases. Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. Welcome back to the show. We're here speaking with Dr. Forrest Tennant, pain specialist and addictionologist, about the pain that John F. Kennedy suffered. Forrest, was there a particular incident that led to John F. Kennedy's use of the first of many back supports? He actually was playing tennis one day, and he's his back all of a sudden took a, that he had a terrible pain. And he made the famous statement that we've heard a lot of times that he says, you know, I feel like something has slipped. <laughs> right. And I think he probably had a slip disc. Uh-huh. Uh, and this would have been, and he was in his uh, late high school or first in, in college when this occurred. Now, after that, he had to start wearing a brace and he always slept with a plywood board. Um, what is fascinating is a lot of the public didn't know this, but even when he was on PT-109, he was wearing a back corset and he slept with a plywood under, under his bed, huh. under his mattress. So he was treating himself. Yeah. And also, what's, I think, a real tribute to the guy, and he, was, he had to be a tough guy, I've got to say. <laughs> I don't think most mortals would have survived this, but he did never complained. Well, despite the fact that when he before he the PT boat got shot shot up, he was already in pain and already doing self treatment. Wow, yeah, exactly. You know, and it sounds like uh, when he was young that he started developing degenerative disc disease, and and then later on underwent some back surgeries. And I think the first was in 1944. Was that a discectomy? It's a little unclear why the Navy went ahead and operated on his his back in 1944, but it definitely was a result of the PT boat accident. Yeah. It looked like they did a distectomy. They didn't describe it as a distectomy. They described it as cleaning out soft tissue between the vertebrae. Kind of interesting. Uh, I assume that's a disc. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> and how about uh, the lumbar fusion that he had in 1954? He did very well after the surgery of 1944. By 1954-55, he had degenerated, I think, his fifth lumbar disc. Mm-hmm. His back continued to deteriorate uh, to the point that he literally went on crutches into the Senate floor. Well, he uh, couldn't get out of bed at times, so he suffered severe pain. I think he mentioned to his mother that he had just as soon die if he had to put up with this kind of pain and paralysis. 
So he w- underwent another surgery, and it was in New York at uh, one of the hospitals in New York. They attempted to fuse the spine with a metal plate. The, unfortunately, within a few months, the plate got infected, or there was infections around the plate. They had to go back in and take the plate out. Yeah. At this time, even though he's able to walk, and he, the surgery was successful, and it gave him some structure, apparently, he still had severe pain, was terribly disabled, and it was at that time that he was introduced, thank goodness, to Dr. Janet Travell. You know, today, Forrest, we call that condition failed back surgery syndrome, or, you know, continued back pain and or shooting leg pain following spine surgery. It also seems like the combination of his autoimmune process and high serum cortisol levels led to degeneration of not only that L5 disc, but also his spine in general. Are there any reports that he also had this shooting leg pain or a term that we call radicular pain? No question about it. In fact, he... He's, after the surgery, he was more concerned about his knee pain at one time than he was his back pain. <laughs> and that looked to me like that was radiating pain. You know, the, uh, Forrest, the surgical records note that uh, JFK had osteoporosis. And I'm wondering if he developed it at such an early age for three reasons. One, the autoimmune disease attacked his bones. Two, his severe constant pain increased cortisol levels. And three, the implanted steroid pellets that he had in his body also increased cortisol levels. That's a a trio of things you really don't want. (laughs) Okay. Osteoporosis can occur for any number of these reasons. And he had three good ones. And that was uh, what led to his real uh, detriment up until he met Dr. Travell, who seemed to have... uh, quite good success in stabilizing it. Sometime around JFK's second surgery, he developed what we call central pain or centralized pain. This is nerve injury that occurs outside the brain or the spinal cord in, say, the knee or the back. What happens is that that injury doesn't heal over time, leads to inflammation that then spreads to the spinal cord and the brain and just doesn't go away. Let's jump now to 1955 when he met Dr. Janet Travell. Dr. Travell had gained a reputation of being into pain management and into rehabilitation. And Kennedy was at his lowest ebb Mm. in life. Uh, Felt hopeless. Nothing had worked. Nobody had offered anything that uh, could help him. Pain was there all the time. He's on crutches. He can hardly get out of bed and hardly go to work. He wasn't described quite this way, but you get the idea during the interview, which Dr. Cavell details in her autobiography, that Kennedy felt the end was here and nothing would help. And he didn't believe that Dr. Cavell could help him. He said, okay, I'll give you a try. And uh, things got better after that because uh, her treatment worked. Indeed. I mean, it seemed like she offered him a multidimensional approach. She she offered medicines, rehabilitation, an exercise program that really almost saved his life and provided pain relief that, I believe, later allowed him to serve as president of the United States. Yes. Well, she put him in the hospital and started him on several things at the same time. Uh, The main thing that she did which stabilized him was use the drug methadone because it was only used by pain specialists who knew what they were doing. Also, Uh codeine and Demerol, and she started him on those things in 1955, and he remained on those drugs up until his assassination in 63. She knew what she was doing, 
Uh, she was a first-class pain doctor, and she got first-class results with a drug that today is terribly vilified. Yeah, I agree. And, and wasn't JFK using a stimulant called methylphenidate for uh, both fatigue and pain control? Yes. It, it, it seems to do both. Uh, you know, we see patients today who almost get as much pain relief out of a stimulant as they do an opioid. Mm-hmm. And others seem to, the opioids don't work without the stimulant. Others, they can't get out of bed because pain is terribly fatiguing for an awful lot of reasons. Yeah. So stimulants with the severe central pain really is, is, has been a standard, at least among knowledgeable, sophisticated physicians for a century. We also have information that there are pain-relieving effects of testosterone, and it sounds like Kennedy was receiving testosterone. What Was it for this reason? We don't know exactly why the testosterone was used in him. The, they, I believe they thought that it would help, and it was a, a belief that it was going to help his muscle growth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get absorbed into the blood through the GI tract very well, apparently. Uh, and that may be why he sought help from that physician, Dr. Jacobson, who I believe gave him chorionic gonadotrophin and seemed to help him a great deal. Well, and in fact, it seems like it's thought that these mystery injections that he was receiving from Dr. Jacobson uh, during his presidency were human chorionic gonadotropin, or HCG. White House staff, and I think both his family and his physicians, both said, why are you going over there seeing this Dr. Jacobson? And he made an interesting comment. He said, I don't care if it is horse piss, it works. (laughs) (laughs) And Forrest, today, some pain specialists, like yourself, are using HCG to activate other hormones like testosterone, estrogen, or thyroid hormone, and also to help nerve tissue grow. JFK was also getting local anesthetic injections into his low back, today known as trigger point injections for pain. How useful were they? She would give them up to two or three times a day if Kennedy was having an acute pain flare. Yeah. These were absolutely essential for Kennedy to function when he would have his pain flares. There was some belief, however, among some of her fellow physicians that these injections were weakening his back and they put him on a very vigorous physical therapy program, which I think was in order also. Mm-hmm. But she made sure that he rocked in a rocking chair and swam almost daily, at least certainly during his presidency. If you rock... You know, in a rocking chair, it it increases lymph flow. You know, Forrest, what would life have been like for Kennedy if he hadn't had treatment for his pain? I do not believe that John Kennedy would have lived past 1956 if he hadn't met Dr. Travell. And finally, what would you like us to remember about JFK's pain? This man was very tough. He endured a lot. He had some eternal hope and kept searching, kept looking to find that physician and that program that that would allow him to thrive and survive. And I think that every patient out there right now who's bedbound or sick or doesn't have the help they think they should have or don't have the relief they think they should have, keep up your hope because John Kennedy did and finally found a physician who knew what to do. Number two, I think that for we physicians, this issue of autoimmunity and endocrine abnormalities and genetic deficiencies is what is underlying so many of these patients that have the failed back syndrome and the fibromyalgias and the terrible conditions that we see. And I think we've got to aggressively treat those people and also educate people that these severe, tragic cases do exist. And if we're going to have a society that champions pain treatment on up through elderly age, we've got to treat those people differently than the others. Dr. Forrest Tennant, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. My pleasure. 
keep up the great work. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, and Boston Scientific. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.